Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 248. Basically, what we our motto at the shop is quality that goes. And if you look at that all through my past, that's kind of where I've been, is if you do the job right and if you get all the details right, you'll get some success out of that. That's what's made my life and my business what it is today. It's quality that goes. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am so excited to introduce a very special guest and a friend of mine, Butch Dennison. Butch, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to rock. Let's go. All right. Butch Dennison is the owner of Dennison International Motorsports in Puyallup, Washington. He has over 35 years of racing experience, and with his talented team, they've been building vintage race cars, restoring award-winning Concours cars, and collector cars for automotive enthusiasts everywhere. Known for their motto, Quality That Goes, Dennison International prides themselves on building, restoring, maintaining, and racing vintage automobiles that are used as they're intended. Butch's past work includes spending time with Pete Lovely, Al Unser Sr., Mario Andretti, and Scott Brayton. His business also provides transportation and trackside services for vintage racing, rallies, tours, and Concours events around the world. Butch, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Let's go back a little bit into your history and touch base on a few things before we get into modern day. You started hanging out the racetrack when you were seven years old, is that right? Well, my father started taking me to the local races, you know, and that just touched off. It hit a hit a nerve, and I've just been fascinated by it my whole life. That's true. About 64, we went out to SIR and watched, you know, Dan Gurney and some other greats that showed up for the, the big races that would show up out there. And I don't know, I was just fascinated by it. My father probably helped that along a little bit. He was always interested in cars, but... He had to work a lot, so there wasn't a lot of time for those kind of things. So, But he made it possible for me to do the things that I wanted to do. So, you know, it's pretty cool. So something I loved. It sounds like a lot of fun. And then you became a mechanic for who was to become your future father-in-law who raced midgets, right? Right. I'd done some work before that with a local guy, Jerry Matthews, um, when I was real young, building bodies, 
anything I could do to be around it. I would go and volunteer my time or I would go to tech. When they did tech at, at the sports car events, my folks would let me skip school on when the Trans Am came in 70 and the 5,000 cars would come on and I'd get to go out there on Friday and I would just hang out and be around it as much as I could. Then after that, um, was looking, you know, got a little older in high school and working on cars and finally have my own. And I went into uh, Nancy's dad shop, Ed, and he had a midget there that I'd heard about through some other people and just asked if I could work on his car there and, and came and he said, well, yeah, you know, you just start hanging out, you know, wherever you can to, to get your foot in the door. You know, I don't have any family that is Unser or Andretti name where you'd walk in and they go, oh, yeah, sure, come on in. You know, we'd love to have you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you got to kind of earn your way into the business. And the only way you do that usually is through a lot of hard work and donate your time. And so Ed was good enough to, you know, I kept hanging out. And pretty soon they hand you a wrench and say, well, tighten this, put it on, you know, let's go. So that's kind of how it really got more involved at that point you know where you're old enough to travel on your own and do things and so yeah we started racing midgets and learning about midget racing and oval track racing Very and my cool. whole goal in life was to go to indianapolis so there's you kind of if you look back at your past you can see that there was a method to your madness there that you wanted you were learning your craft but you didn't really know it you were just going along trying to get into racing any way you could and it ended up working out well. He taught me a lot on how to set up cars and for oval track racing. And a lot of that's very similar to Indianapolis or any other kind of oval track racing. So I, I had a good teacher to learn from. Absolutely. Now, later, you started spending a lot of time working with Pete Lovely. And that evolved into going to Can-Am races and so forth. And you had a long history with Pete because eventually you ended up working together at Pete Lovely Racing, and then that evolved into Dennis International. Can you talk a little bit about your time with Pete? This is back in the 70s, and I'm, I'm racing midgets, and we're going up and down the coast racing all over. And my family uh, knew uh, Neville Lovely, Pete's wife, and they, they'd had a catering business together. And I was the young kid, and I was always doing odd jobs. I was handy with you know, carpentry work and fixing things. I've always been good at that. So anyway, they were back east. They'd started a Can-Am racing team doing a two-liter car, and they called the the other mechanic that went with the lead mechanic was uh, just couldn't take it on the road. It wasn't, you know, what he thought it was going to be. It's not all glamour <laughs> a lot of times. It's a lot of times sitting in a hotel room with not a lot of, you're just sitting there watching TV a lot. So they called and asked me if I, I said, you know, would you like to help us maybe? And so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So I quit my job and there was no pay involved. And I said, yeah, I'll go for my expenses and just see what it's like for a summer. You know, and we're racing all over back east, you know, and this is the next, it's professional racing. You know, Carl Haas is there, Jackie X, KK Rosberg, some big names in racing. So, you know, this is my first real step into a professional thing, but I'm going to go and do it. And so we get back there and, and just start helping. And the lead mechanic is kind of like, this is my car. You just drive the truck and you don't have to do anything. And we got there, I got there and they were changing an engine and the engine came in and it was a different style than the, the car had had. And the headers wouldn't fit. And with the midgets, you're always building things. So I knew how to build stuff and they're like, 
well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I can cut them apart and I can fit these and put them back together and we can get to the next race. And so we get, I do it, I get to the next race. And after that, I got a paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's kind of how we got started with Pete. And we did real successful with that Can-Am team where we built a couple cars. We converted Ralts into Can-Am cars and a Formula One Williams into a Can-Am car that was real successful. We won a championship with the Ralt. And so just people got to know that you could innovate and you could build things. We were doing, you know, a lot of innovative things at that time, and it was real creative. And I think I just blossomed in that kind of environment where, you know, they let me do things and build things. And I love that part of it. Fantastic. I love that. It's so cool because I've known you for so long and I've been at your shop many times, been with you at the track, and I look at what you and your team do and how you guys are able to get a car back on the track. And I guess all those early years working with Pete, and of course you worked with Al Unser Sr. and Mario Andretti, Scott Brayton, and all these great people, was all training for what has become Denison International. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the future, but I always like to start by asking my guests about a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars, yeah? So, Butch, take the wheel. Well, I thought about this a little bit. Basically, what we our motto at the shop is quality that goes. And if, if you look at that all through my past, that's kind of where I've been, is if you do the job right and if you get all the details right, you'll get some success out of that. That's what's made my life and my business what it is today. It's, it's quality that goes and caring. Would you say that with that motto, and I love that motto, I see it on your trailers, and you guys build stuff that people use. I mean, I know some of the cars you probably created, restored, uh, provide to people, end up in a garage, never driven, or museum, but much of the stuff you work on actually gets out on the track and gets out on the road. Yeah, that's the difference between my shop, I think, and a lot of shops. Um, We try to do things correctly as it was, not just put aero equip on a car or whatever the new thing is that's better. The stuff that was on the cars, say a fuel pump on a Ferrari, a lot of people will just say, well, those don't ever work. They're, They're no good. Well, they won Le Mans five or six times with those fuel pumps on them. So they must have worked somehow. <laughs> yeah. So I enjoy figuring that out and, and getting it to work again and putting the car back the way it was originally, not just hanging parts on cars. And I think that's where a lot of shops, that's okay. It's, it's the trend it seems to be now. But I, I think what's kept our shop going is the originality and in putting the details back on the car. And it's obviously shown in how they resale. There is a group of people that are at the at a high level that appreciate that kind of work. And so I focused on that instead of just making the car faster. And, and it's easy to make them faster. That's not a big deal. You can buy all the modern stuff. But what I take pride in is putting the car back so it looks original and people and it still goes fast. And that I see people kind of scratching their heads at those kind of things. And, I, and that gives me a lot of satisfaction. I would imagine it does. And one of the things that you guys do in your shop is you build Concor, restore Concor level cars. And I'd be remiss to not say that last year's Pebble Beach winner was a car that your shop restored, the 375mm Scaglietti car that was just utterly fantastic. And talk about creating a quality that goes. You restored that car 15 years ago and then 
did some modifications, and I say modifications, corrections, to make it what it was, going back to that historic nature. But uh, congratulations on that win, the first post-war car to win at Pebble as well. It's absolutely amazing. Can you talk a little bit about that car and what you did to it? Because the owner actually drives it. He takes his cars out on the road and, and enjoys them. So can you tell us a little bit about that car coming back to Pebble Beach? Well, there was just some interest in having the car back. I talked with the owner about it, and he said, well, they want it. They would like to have that car back and invited it back. And so we talked about it. And unfortunately, he does use it. The car was prepped to go to, to a China rally that we were going to take it cross-country. Wow. So we'd added some new things because of the quality of the roads in China. So, you know, we put in a better alternator and bigger radiators and newer stuff. So if stuff did get damaged on the trip, we wouldn't lose the original parts. So we did change things there a little bit. But so he, it went off and, and he'd used the car on Colorado Grand and other things. And so at Pebble, you have to have a perfect car, whatever that is. It's no chips, obviously, and, and just everything perfect. And then we went back and re-looked at the car as far as did we do everything right the first time. And, you know, you have to be objective and you have to criticize yourself and say, you know, hey, that isn't right. We did that because that's the only part we we didn't have that picture to show us that uh, one instance was we changed the interior in the car. We'd had leather in the car. And we went back and we got some new pictures available to us after the 15 years, and, and it showed that there was vinyl in there. And so we took the upholstery back apart and upholstered it in the vinyl, and the judges really appreciated that. And, and, and again, that goes back to what I keep saying is doing the cars as they were original is, is where the value is and what people seem to appreciate in my world anyway. Absolutely. Well, again, congratulations. Uh, Just a beautiful car. I got to spend some time with that car after its first restoration, as you know, because we shot it for a catalog cover. And um, to see it back on the lawn uh, was just fantastic. Great job. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about being that little boy hanging out around the racetrack and around cars. But is there one moment you can think of in time that you really knew you were a car guy? I guess it's just always been there, Mark. It's 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 just funny. I, you know, so many, I look at so many young people that wander around lost and can't find a way in life or can't find something that they have a passion with. And for me, it's really just been from day one. Maybe I'm not very creative or, uh, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's just, I found something very early on that, uh, you can keep learning at too. I, I enjoy that you know, first you start off in midgets and then you learn about indie cars and then now I'm doing show cars and uh, now I've got a motorcycle collection that I'm interested in and, you know, I'm out in the garage today working on a, a jukebox figuring out how that mechanical parts work. It's the in, it's solving the puzzle. It's, it's something that just you keep evolving and so it keeps giving back to you. It's you're never going to be done. So I, I really enjoy that part of it. Well, you dropped a golden nugget there, especially for young entrepreneurs or any entrepreneurs. If you're not consistently pushing yourself and learning in life, it, life can get pretty boring. And I would imagine with the vehicles you guys work on, they're all different. There's no textbook for any of this. That ongoing learning process has obviously been successful for you. I think that's great. I'd love to take a look at some of the roads you've driven down now and talk a little bit about 
some of the challenges or maybe even a great failure that you faced along your way in, the, in your career. I interview a lot of people who are builders, restorers, fabricators. Boy, this entrepreneurial business is up and down. It's a roller coaster ride. If there's one thing you can share with us, and the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome it and what did you learn from it? I, I've thought about this a couple of days and just there isn't, I've had so many successes. I've been, I hate to lose. And so I'm very competitive about things. And so that's made me have a lot of successes, I think. And early on, I built a soapbox derby car even, and I built it too low. It was a local race, not in the national and i'd spent all summer building this thing and i was going to win that race and you know i just had it in my mind and i got out there and i built it and the road was so rough that it would hit and it slowed the the car down just enough that i was a tick behind and i hadn't calculated that and i was just furious at myself i just you know i'm very competitive and so that was a little deal now but boy when it happened it was a huge deal in my little mind and so from then on i was just i'm gonna win i'm gonna do everything i can to win because winning is so much fun i mean (laughs) it's it's if you don't i see people work on race cars and show cars and they work their hearts out and and they never get to enjoy that and it's so special at least for me i mean some people just enjoy competing i guess but it's a whole nother level, and once you get it, it's it's like drugs or you know anything else. You just want more. Yeah. So I learned that early on, and so and learned that it takes a lot of work, and it, and you have to dedicate yourself. And I guess I'm okay with that. You know? <laughs> I think so. Let's shift gears here and go to an aha moment that you've had in your career. I would assume you've had so many because your career has been so long and and so vast and and faceted in so many ways. But is there a time in particular, maybe one instant that the headlights came on and kind of illuminated your way for a new idea or a new direction? And and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that aha moment for you. There's several. I guess they're all through your stepping stones as you go through life is, is you meet a level that you wanted to in that level of racing or that level of showing. And, you know, when you win your first national midget race, that's, you know, a great moment in your life. And, and you remember that moment. And then you win your first IndyCar race. And, you know, that's that's wow. You know, you never thought you'd do it. And it happened real fast. And I looked around and there were people that had raced 20 years and never won a race. And I'd been there too and was winning races and on a top team. And then I go do this show car stuff and, and I take Pete Lovely's Ferrari, the very first one I did. And I never looked at a Ferrari until I did that one. And, and everybody loved the car. And so it, it just, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. All those different moments. And then the business was a new challenge for me to, to try to make money at, at a vintage or a racing shop is tough to do right now. And we kind of invented the arrive and drive kind of thing. And I'm kind of proud of that. We went to the IndyCar races in the late early 90s and, and we were watching how the teams were doing all this hospitality. And, and you know, and I'm like, you know, this could work for vintage. And we went and bought a truck and trailer and spent our life savings on it and said, you know, this idea might work back in 95. And we, there was nobody out there doing it. And now you'll go to Monterey and there'll be, you know, 75 semis sitting there doing it. So I'm kind of proud that I was kind of the first one to do that. So 
little things in life that you do. Yeah. You're just proud of them. Well, absolutely. And you answered my next question about proud moments. And you guys do such a great job with that. You've been so kind to feed me and, and my son when we've been at the races <laughs> with you so many times. And you do such a spectacular job. And obviously, your wife, Nancy, is a big part of that. She works with you in the business. And I see her in there early in the morning chopping and preparing food and late at night. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a team effort, this racing and this business. But uh, you guys have done a fantastic job. Let's have a little bit of fun here. You've had many vehicles. You talk about owning bikes, and I've seen your bikes. In fact, you've got one of my past bikes, my MV Agusta. That gosh, I wish I hadn't sold that, but I'm glad it's I'm glad it's at your house. What was your first really special vehicle? Not so much your first car, maybe that was, but the one that was really meant a lot to you, and perhaps you could share a memory you had with that car or bike. Well, probably the the most special to me is the first one I actually bought which Nancy uh, talked me into and it was a good move on her part is the, I bought a boss Mustang, a 1970. And that sounds kind of mundane to, you know, a lot of people, but I went to the Trans Am races and I watched George Fulmer and Parnelli and I'm hanging out in the pits. And so when you're 12 years old and those guys are, you know, all your heroes and you watched it. So for years I looked at the orange pumpkin colored, uh, Mustangs and always wanted one, and so yeah, you know, we've done a few things in life and had a few bucks, and and finally one came up back in the late nineties and stuff. And Nancy says, and we had it in the stock market, you know. And I'm looking at the stock, and it's went up. And she's going, "You should go buy the Boss, you know. You're going to have that." And I said, "Yeah, the stock's not much fun to look at." And so, so we we found one down in Los Angeles, and we went down and and. I uh, did the deal with the guy and we went back and we ended up, you know, I'm always trying to work it the cheapest way I can. So I found a deal to haul a car down there and then I can haul the car back, you know, basically. And so I hauled a Ferrari down for a customer to LA and we picked up the car. It was on Christmas Eve night, uh, about mm-hmm. 1999. And so we're sitting in the middle of Los Angeles in a truck and trailer Christmas Eve. Um, <laughs> Santa Claus time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's cool. Well, the boss said, buy the boss, and uh, you did. Yeah. You still have that car, right? I still have it. Nancy was so happy seeing me buy it, and that made me happy. Well, what a Christmas present. Wow, fantastic. Is there a vehicle that you've let go in the past that you really wish you had back in the garage or the shop? As Nancy can contest, uh, I don't usually sell anything yet. <laughs> I keep everything. Good for so you. Stacked everywhere. Um, yeah, you know, you just—I don't know. I enjoy them all, and so I haven't really let let go of them. I mean, well, obviously, co- I owned a piece of that Testarossa of Pete Lovelies, and uh, <laughs> it would have been smart to keep that car. So the one and only I've sold has been kind of—you know—you shouldn't have sold it. You should have just hang on, hung on for a while. Well, so. you know, gosh, we all have stories like that. But here's another question for you, kind of with a twist. Is there a vehicle that you've purchased that shortly after you said, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> I buy too many. Unfortunately, I'm a, if you tell me it's a good deal, I got to go look at it. So, um, Is there one car in particular you can think of that you just, you just, after you had it for a while, you just went, I need to get rid of this. Oh, I bought a few motorcycles. I bought a, a CBX 
a great big, we call it the refrigerator. It's an 82 Honda CBX, one of the big six-cylinder bikes. Yeah. And a friend of mine owned it, and he passed on. And so the family needed to sell it, and I bought it. But why I bought this thing, I have no idea. And then I worked, you know, 50 hours on it, getting it running, and it's not worth hardly anything. So what am I doing, you know? So you do it. Yeah, you do it. We all do that. Now, you guys are always working on spectacular projects. Is there something right now you got working in the shop that you're you're restoring or building that really has you excited? Well, we're doing a, a new interesting project. We're doing a, a 37 Delahaye, a Type 30, 135, and um, it's a little different. It's all wood. Uh, we're replacing the wood in, in the chassis, and not the chassis, but the the actual body underneath the body, we're doing that. And so that's an interesting, something we haven't done before, so I'm learning about that. And it's it'll be a beautiful car, um, more of a pre-war kind of thing that I haven't done before. Yeah. Um, just a lot of restoration in the shop now. Yeah. Well, got a lot of great clients that are bringing Testaroses and TDFs and a lot of alpha work in the shop. Um, so real interesting cars. I was in your shop for a tour not long ago and saw that, that Delahaye, and uh, you've got a lot of work to do on that, but I'm sure it's going to be just brilliant when you're done with it. Here's a very introspective question for you, Butch, and I'm really curious how you're going to answer this one. If Butch Dennison was a car, not so much the kind of car you want to be, but based on who you are, what would that vehicle be and why? Probably an Indy car, <laughs> just to see what it's like to go that fast around <laughs> Indianapolis. <laughs> There you go. I love that. That's why I like asking that question. Yeah, I just, there's still a passion for that, and that's a special place to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to see how fast the cars go is, somebody, everyone should try it once, go visit there, and it's, it has so much history, and it's just a neat place, and so. Yeah, it really is. I was lucky enough to go to an Indy race, and, and until you've gone there, and experienced it and been down on the track and taken a little drive around in the bus tour and you realize, oh my gosh, what these guys are doing is yeah. beyond imagination. So fantastic. Well, Butch, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a word from their Cars Yeah sponsor. Carpe Viem. Seize the road. It's the motto at carpegear.com where you'll find the Little Red Racing Car, an award-winning book written and illustrated by passionate car guy Dwight Knowlton. It's a spectacular way to introduce children to the love of cars. It's an international award winner, and Yahoo Autos calls it the best kid's book ever. Plus, it's printed in the USA. I may be an adult, but this kid loves the little red racing car. Dwight is finishing a second book in collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss about the story of his record-breaking win of the 1955 Mille Miglia. Check out Dwight's Carpe Diem brand, where you can find his books, shirts, and more than embrace his seize the road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're there. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. All right, Butch, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer. You've been around racetracks. You know what that means. The white flag is out and it's time to put our foot down. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and you give our listeners some really quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Oh, I don't know. It's That's a hard one, Mark. I'm trying <laughs> to think of something that really stands out. Yeah, basically just doing it right. I mean, it, it all comes back to that, just doing things right. And, you know, you'll get the, the fruit 
from that, you know, if, if you do all the details and yeah. that kind of thing. Great advice. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Oh, oh just putting things away. <laughs> just being neat and tidy when you've, when you've got an average of 100,000 parts to each car that you take apart. You know, it's there's a lot of parts all over the place. And so keeping organized and, and keeping it, that'll make you successful in a restoration shop. So many I go into are parts are everywhere and lost and, and it doesn't give the customer a lot of faith in you're going to get his car together. Yeah. You know, I had a, a friend who I do Facebook with. He's restoring a, a early 70s Porsche right now. And he was up till 2 a.m. last night, and he couldn't find some brackets that he knew he had somewhere. He spent three hours looking for him. He was just exasperated. And uh, this morning he posted something. I said, well, did you check the refrigerator? Because I was working on a car once, and I came in to get a drink, and I put the part in the refrigerator, and that's where my wife found it. So uh, he, his wife laughed at that, but unfortunately, I yeah. don't think he found the part there. But yes, your shop, every time I've gone in there, is so immaculate. It's just amazing to me, but I understand why. Do you have a resource that you think the Cars Yow listeners would really enjoy? Well, our paint shop is awesome. Yeah, I think John Byers down at Byers Custom in Auburn is one of the phenomenal painters that I've ever worked with. Yeah, uh, He just does a great job. Um, all our vendors, you know, from the radiator shops to the plating shops, we use Queen City plating a lot. We use Mastercraft in Seattle. Uh, great plate shops work together with you a lot. Yeah. Great resources, absolutely. Yeah. And I'd love to have John on the show. I've been kind of pushing him to get him on this show. Maybe now that I've got you on, we could uh, tag team him and get him on the show because the paint work that he does and he's done for your cars that have been on the lawn at Pebble and many other places on the racetracks is uh, absolutely phenomenal. And the other vendors as well. Is there a book, one book in particular, you could share with the Cars Yeah listeners you think they would really enjoy reading? I like old books. I like to read the old racing books. Um, I like, my interest lately has been in the real early racing. Um, like I just read Wall Smacker, which is a real strange book. But it talks about the early, you know, teen racing and stuff and, and from a driver's perspective. And I really enjoyed that. Wow, that's the first time that book's been recommended. I'll have to look that up. I've never heard of that book before. I really enjoy uh, Tom Cotter's, you know, the all the Cobra in the barn and Benson in the barn. I like the short stories. I, I re that's probably a good hobby of mine is, is finding the, the barn find is always the fun hunt. So oh, yeah. uh, I enjoy reading other people's uh, uh, escapades and finding a car and stuff. Absolutely. And Tom's been a guest here on Cars. Yeah, I love his books. I've got them all as well. So he does some great work. And there's always that dream of finding that car in the barn for all of us car fanatics. <laughs> Well, you can find links to all these great resources that Butch has shared with us at carsyad.com slash Butch Dennison. All right, Butch, we're up to the checkered flag. This last question can be a real doozy for a car guy like you that has so many passions for so many cars. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost because today I'm going to buy the car for you. And if it needs restoration, I'll take it to your shop and I'll write those checks as well. How's that? What would that one vehicle be and why? That's hard. Yes, I know. I'll include bikes, too, since you like bikes. And changes in life, you know, you go through different phases. But I mean, right now, it'd be a 2.9 Alpha. 2.9 Alphas, once you're around on the engineering, on the engine, and, and just the beauty of the car, you could use it on a rally. You could take it to anywhere. You could race the thing 
and still have a good time with it. Yeah. So I, I guess a 2.9 Alpha would be the best in my mind. Yeah, we did the 2.9 Alpha that won at Pebble Beach in 08. Uh, and then I ran that car in the middle of Millia, uh, in 07 and, with John and had a great time. I got to co-drive with him, and we had a great time oh, in his 2.9. So they're just wonderful. I mean, everything works well, and it, for an old car, it's, it's a great car to have. And you see why when I was young in the 60s, Alpha, I just didn't get what was so special about Alpha. And then as you get into the early stuff and see the heritage of where they came from, you understand how great the name is. And I wish it would come back again, but, you know, that's big corporations now instead of racers. Yeah, well, beautiful car, beautiful choice. I've got to spend some time around that car as well. And uh, not only you guys did a magnificent job restoring it, but it's just an amazing piece of rolling art. So great choice. But you've taken me on a great ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed talking with you. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yacht listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Alpha? Just enjoy your cars. You know, have fun with them. Whether it's an MG or a race car or whatever, they're just a lot of fun. And, you know, have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? You can go to uh, Denison International, Quality That Goes, and that should come up on the Internet. Or come down to the shop and just visit us down in Puyallup. Our address is uh, easy to find. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. I would encourage anyone who's up here in the Pacific Northwest to do that. Give them a call and see if, if there's a good time to stop by because you'll be amazed at what you see. The workmanship, the people there are just awesome. Uh, it's a really fun place to visit. And if you're at a racetrack this summer, spring vintage racing, look for the Denison International Trailer. It's a big red trailer. Quality that goes on the side. Walk up, say hello to Butch and his team and uh, check out the cards. I think you'll have a lot of fun. Listeners, you can find links to everything that we've talked about here at carsyeah.com slash Butch Denison. Thanks, Butch, for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!